Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. My name's Javen. I'm an international online health and fitness coach. And if you want to increase your confidence, improve your self-development and have a bulletproof mindset, this is the podcast for you. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe depending on whatever podcast app you are using. Today's episode is going to be amazing. I can't wait to get into it. Let's go. Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. My name's Jav, and today, guys, we've got a very special guest, body worker, sex and intimacy coach, Libby Shepard. Firstly, I want to thank you for joining me. I came across your work. I was doing some Googles, and I came across your website, saw your social media, watched about three of your longer IGTV videos, and I was just saying to myself, I've got to get you on. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because a week, maybe a week or two before I'd actually emailed you, I was saying to my friend that I want to get like a, either a sex coach or like a relationship coach mm. on the podcast. And she was saying to me that if you put it out there, it's going to come to you. Mm. And it was just funny that, yeah, that. it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. It's true. Yeah, it's crazy. So she was saying that to me. And then I was just saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to find somebody. So yeah, firstly, how are you? I'm very well. I'm really, I'm really excited to be here and I'm really honoured and, and flattered as well like to receive your inquiry. And Thank you. I think it's very, I think like I said in our little chat that we had, it's anyone who is willing to talk about sex, about intimacy and have kind of an open and honest and vulnerable conversation about yeah. something that's so so complicated and so complex you know i i think that you're a pretty cool person so i'm i'm happy to to be here and have a good old chat with you well, i'm happy yeah. i'm happy to have you i'm happy <laughs> to have you so obviously i introduced you you know as a as a body worker and a sex and intimacy coach i'm gonna say there's probably gonna be a few people out there that are gonna ask what is a body worker mm. i was thinking that too and i kind of learned what it was just from viewing your content and reading some of your your, your blog pieces as well. Mm -hmm. It was just like, okay, I'm getting a bit of a better understanding of exactly what that is. So mm. if you could kind of put it into your own words, mm. we'll get onto the sex and intimacy coaching, but I want to know exactly how you would yeah, describe this, this word. body worker. Yeah. So the reason that I that I describe myself as a body worker and not a massage therapist is that, that that kind of traditional idea of massage it gives the sense that the, maybe the person being touched is a little bit more passive and also that you are trying to fix something in their body as a, as a massage therapist. And it also kind of really only typically looks at like the physical aspect of someone's body. So I refer to myself as a, a body worker and there's this kind of whole field of, of um, body workers or body practitioners who are working more with not just the physical, but more the emotional and the energetic, the spiritual aspect of the body, the person. And the way that I approach and that I use touch is not necessarily to kind of fix or, you know, make something better or, or, you know, make problems go away. The way that I'm using touch and working with the body is as a way to kind of help people have more awareness and more enjoyment and more connection to their body. Does, right. does that kind of Yeah, yeah. So 
it's more than this, oh, you come, you get a rub and then you could go. Like, it's actually, there's levels, there's there's layers to it more. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Mm. So I guess to kind of follow that, I kind of want to know what kind of led you down the path to, to doing that? What got you into it? Mm, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated thing because, yeah, and it's not necessarily like something that, that you get told in sixth form. Yeah, like you could be a body right. worker yeah. or you could be... So full disclosure, you know, my sessions include genital touch, anal massage, internal touch and internal massage. So it's not like there's a nice linear trajectory from right. uh, from school to, to here. But I, um, I trained as a personal trainer um, back in 2012. I also am a qualified sports massage therapist. So that's kind of the the physical background, the practical background. I've always been interested in the body, how we enjoy our bodies, how we move our bodies, how we engage with our bodies, how we can support our bodies to be optimal and, and healthy. And so that's kind of that that aspect of it. And then I think I've always been curious about the sexual aspect of myself or myself as a sexual being. And I had, so I was at university and I had the opportunity to work as a pole dancer. And that kind of was my first like experience of using or engaging with my sexuality as a, a kind of thing that I enjoyed and felt empowered by. And then, yeah, maybe like 2012, 2013, I got introduced to Tantra through a partner that I was with at the time. And that sort of led me down this rabbit hole into exploring like an alternative narrative around sex and around intimacy compared to sort of what I'd been told growing up, right. you know, which was very shame-based right. and, you know, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't explore sexuality. And yeah, I, I'd not been given maybe the healthiest messages about sex. Right, because I, I was just going to ask you, you said an alternative sort of viewpoint. Mm. What was the, uh, I guess, non-alternative? What was the, what was the root? What was kind of what you was being fed mm. about sex and about sexuality growing up? Mm. So I think you know I, I can only speak for myself, but I know from friends and a lot of clients that I've that I've worked with that this that there's some patterns. So I you know I was just I didn't have many conversations with my parents about sex growing up. I didn't have an open dialogue with anyone there was no one really that I could ask questions and no one to kind of give me any positive encouragement or, or guidance in fact a lot of the the implicit and explicit messages that I got about being sexual were that that's kind of slutty and bad and shameful and you know you shouldn't be thinking about sex you shouldn't be exploring sex so that was kind of within my within my household, but then that's then put against this very strange idea that gets planted through the media of like sex is everywhere, mm. and as a woman, you you should be like, oh, that's all that you are. Like you you're just a sexual thing, but don't be too sexual. It's you know this right. oh, kind of of very confusing confusing yeah. messages. So for me, you know my my experience of sex was very blanketed in shame and confusion and right. 
you know, it was something that I, I didn't feel confident to talk about or ask about or do in a in a very conscious way. Right. So, yeah, that was a big shift then when I started exploring Tantra. Yeah, so you, you mentioned a bit about, you just said there, didn't feel confident about discussing it. Mm-hmm. What about within your peer group or within your friends? Because as a guy, I think obviously our, our experiences as men and women are quite different mm. in the sense that I think men are obviously, we are sort of allowed to engage in sex in any kind of way we want. We're supposed to be dominant. We're supposed mm. to be all these things. And I think when a guy can't live up to certain expectations, he might feel shame. But to go back to my original point, I think men generally, we're okay with talking about it amongst our friends. Mm. And I think it's not really looked down upon or frowned upon for a man to openly talk about sex, whereas women, I always Mm. feel like they're a bit more kind of reserved in that regard. Mm. So in terms of your friendship group, is that something growing up you were able to sort of talk about freely? Yeah, so I have a a question for you in a minute about that and your experience as a man. But so... In my during my teenage years, I would say it was not something that we kind of talked. I don't remember having conversations that were enlightening or that I felt okay about. That sex was kind of talked about in a way that's like, well, you just have to get it done. You know, like it's something that you're just supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you know, are you doing it yet? Are you doing it? Well, I don't know. Like a lot of <laughs> a lot of uncertainty and not really knowing how to talk about it without almost like losing face or there wasn't an idea of how to talk about it in a very vulnerable or, or real way. So then my my question that I that I have for you is, so as a man and in your peer group and with your friends growing up and, and now maybe like maybe the dialogue is more open about sex, but is that dialogue or does that dialogue involve vulnerability and mm. kind of saying like hey man I'm struggling with this like and I don't really know what to do and like you know I, I've been struggling with my partner and you know it's I, like do you do you feel this do you what's your experience so I, is is there that vulnerability or is it more kind of bravado and, mm, you know bigging each other up I would say I would say it's definitely more bravado 100 mm-hmm. percent I think I've got some close friends who we may have had conversations talking about maybe coming too fast or something like that. Mm. But it's always in a lighthearted, mm-hmm. jokey manner. Mm-hmm. And I think that if someone was feeling, if someone was struggling with that on a regular basis, I don't, I still don't think, even as close as some me and some of my friends are, I still don't think that that's something we'd probably talk about. So I do think that vulnerability mm. There, a layer of it is missing. Okay, we can talk about it. Mm. I can come to you and be like, yo, I, I came really early. I didn't really feel too good about it. But mm. but I'll still be in a banter type mm. of way. Mm-hmm. And obviously I think a lot of men do that because, like I was saying before, I think that we're kind of taught to believe that we're supposed to be dominant and, oh, I should be able to last forever, mm. which obviously no no one could do that, right? Yeah, uh, so, yeah. like I should just be uh, yeah. ready on. Or if she time. wants to go, I should be ready. I shouldn't have a, have a problem getting an erection. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. So. And this is so. This is as harmful for men 
and for women as the kind of shaming and you know negative ideas that women are given about right. their, their bodies i yeah. think humor and banter and lightheartedness is so important like i'm not saying every conversation about sex should be like you know very serious and like you're talking to your therapist but that's what i see is kind of kind of missing in people's ability to really relax and enjoy sex in the moment because all of that 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 kind of vulnerability or avoidance of vulnerability gets like you know compressed into these experiences with when you're actually in the moment and having mm. sex with someone and all of that stuff is going on in your head like um, i hope i don't come too quickly or like i hope i you know as a woman like i hope i'm sexy does he think i'm sexy and do mm. i you know all this kind of all the stuff that's playing around in in our heads around sex that doesn't get that we don't maybe have the space to talk about in yeah. a vulnerable and real way and that's why a lot of the people that i work with who think that they're coming you know, just for a, a, a sensual, intimate massage, actually the most profound part of the experience is to sit down and talk about these things for the first time ever, perhaps, in their life. To openly say to someone, yeah, like, I, me and my partner don't have sex anymore and I don't know what to do and, you know, I or... I find it really difficult to get an erection and, you know, it's it's really affecting my life. It's affecting my relationship. Nobody else must be struggling with this. I'm, you know, I'm broken. I'm a failure, blah, blah, blah. So I think, you know, I've gone, gone off on a tangent. No, it's but, fine. But that's... So as much as I say I'm a body worker and I work with touch, the one of the biggest aspects is just being able to listen to people and hear people and for people to have a a space to actually bring awareness to these things that are limiting them or preventing them from relaxing and enjoying. Right. That's interesting. So so when they come for, for their massage, you have a, I'm guessing, before you do the actual massage, there's a period where you discuss their own sexual experiences and yeah, what they're going through. Yeah, have a little chat and a little check-in. Yeah. And, okay. yeah, talk to them about maybe what we'll do today. Yeah. It's kind of half therapy, half, half yeah. massage. Yeah. I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a psychologist, though, so I'll just kind of caveat that. But, yeah, we do kind of spend a little bit of time during the session yeah. talking before, before any clothes come off or any touch starts. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So... To put it into the most like simple words, what is a tantra massage? Mm, what so before I before I give a definition, what have you heard about tantra massage? What do you understand of it? And then I'll maybe just fill in some gaps. Well, I've heard. Or correct you. <laughs> well, before I had done any research, yeah. I just read basically it was a bit bit of like where you kind of a guy might go to basically. And have some enjoyment and get his genitalia played with, basically. Mm-hmm. Now that I've done a bit of reading, I understand it's a bit more than just going and getting a rub. So it it can be. Right. Okay. Um, so I think so the concept or the word or the wording tantra massage is used very loosely in a right. lot of places. And sometimes it does just mean a happy ending massage right. or an escort service or 
yeah something that's kind of like you say just a bit of a rub and tug and and not very conscious and and nothing to do with spirituality or you know having a deeper understanding of yourself as a human being I use that phrase on my website because it is generally what people search for when they're looking for an experience that is going to involve touch on their genitals so in loose terms, you could kind of just look at it as it's a, a touch or massage experience that openly includes genital touch. The way that I work with Tantra as a more of a kind of philosophy for life and as a spiritual path is very close to mindfulness and brings in more of the, the sort of practice of being aware of of moment-to-moment sensations in your body, of being very present, of not being attached to a kind of mental or egoic goal and allowing yourself to kind of just be present with what is happening in your body. And that is facilitated through touch, through someone being in in a very clear role of receiving and someone being in a very clear role of giving. So that polarity is, is created. And from the, the kind of tantric approach to sex or the tantric approach to life generally is that sexual energy, that, that kind of life force is not just something that is there to kind of be like lost in a five to 10 second kind of peak orgasm. Right. So that would be like an ejaculation for guys or typically like a, an orgasm on the clitoris for women. But that that energy, you know, if, you, if you're horny, if you're turned on and you just sit with it, it is like it's a vibration, it's an energy, it's an electricity. You can feel like the buzz of it in your body. That energy is something that is a fuel for everything that you do in life. Right. For your creativity, for your vitality, for your relationships, for your your purpose, your work, your your discipline, your dedication, your kind of spiritual or higher path. So all of that just from you know it is is so much more than just having a rub and tug. Right. So how fill in some gaps. How important is it then when someone does come to you, you talk about them being present, how important is it that you get them in a space where mentally they're not hanging on to maybe past sexual experiences and thinking that, okay, this massage is gonna be like this and mm-hmm. how important is it for you to kind of get them in a space where they're kind of present in the moment and they're detaching themselves from maybe some past experiences or some thoughts that they have before coming to you. Mm. It's it's super important. And that's why like the beginning of the of sessions, I always take that little bit of time for for kind of chat and, and check yeah. in and connection. I slip in a little bit of the, the philosophy or the the kind of more practical aspects of, of the, the practice. So simple meditation, being aware of your breath, allowing yourself to make some sound or vibration, letting your body move, noticing when you've got distracted, coming back into the the present moment. 
but it's it's tough. That's it's a really. Have you ever tried any meditation or any? I've tried yoga? meditating yeah. and yoga. Yeah. Not not the best at it. But it's difficult, right? Yeah. It's really challenging to to just notice that you have those thoughts and you have a lifetime's worth of experience and experiences and ideas about yourself, about your body, about sex, about intimacy, about life. You know, whatever. It's challenging to to let those thoughts be there, but but not be consumed by them, to just kind of, you know, let them scoot past and still be present with what you can actually feel in the moment. And that's, that's like, for me, that's the, the kind of foundation of my, my personal practice is I'm super heady. I'm super busy in my, in my head with, with thoughts all the time. So for me, this, this practice or this tantric approach to life as well as sex and intimacy is about be trying you know as much as possible to to just notice and interrupt that and bring myself back to okay what can I feel right now how right. am I breathing where am I tensing up where is you know what can I feel in my body what what am I aware of in the rest of the room what do I feel in your body what do I feel kind of you know, in in the wider sphere of more than just my own little monkey mind. Right. And I have a friend that who I recorded an episode with previously and she she had some tough experiences in her life and she was talking about going through like a spiritual awakening and recognizing that when you hear that little voice in your head, it's not your voice and you need to learn to become the observer. Mm. And that, and when she said that to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to understand that a lot more, and especially when she uses the term like you're the observer, so you kind of got to view yourself from the outside in, and that kind of, when you mentioned that, that kind of linked in my head a little bit. So I kind of want to talk about your route educationally to get to where you are now. So you was in uni, a friend introduced you to touch and massage. What did you need to do to kind of be like what's the obviously to be a PT you've got to get a yeah. level three PT qualification. Like what do you, what is the process to kind of do what you do? Yeah, there's so there's no at the moment this is a very what I do is a very kind of new and emerging field, body based coaching or sexological body work is is something that I'm that I'm trained in, but that's still pretty new. Having said that, I'm insured. I'm part of a membership body. I have this uh, official qualification, which is a coaching qualification that is focused on somatics. So it's not just mental. So it's not just talk therapy or talk based coaching. And it's not just massage. Like I said, that's just about the kind typically is just about the physical aspect. It's this blend of body and mind. So my personal path through this was... I feel like it's really important that I have had that solid grounding in sports massage and anatomy and physiology in understanding how the physical body works. But then I've trained in other kind of touch-based practices. So I've trained in something called Lomi Lomi Massage, which is a beautiful form of Hawaiian body work. It's very, very flowing, very sensual, also has a very deeply rooted and spiritual philosophy to it. I've trained in Thai abdominal massage. I mean, 
talk about intimate, like most for, for a lot of people having their belly touched is way more intimate than having their genitals touched. Right. So this is like working with the belly, working with the abdomen is also has been really helpful in in kind of giving me more understanding of, of people's bodies and what intimacy kind of means. I'm also trained in something called trauma release exercise, which is a form it's a it's a really interesting thing tre um maybe we can put a link or something to to look it up yeah so tre is something that it's a, a set form of a list of exercises i think there's seven of them that you do to kind of gently strain the larger muscle groups of your body that are typically involved in the fight or flight response and are typically overactive or or kind of chronically switched on in people who are who have experienced trauma or who are carrying trauma in their bodies. And so you gently stress those and then that generates this kind of natural tremor or like shake in the body. And and it's, it's kind of this natural way for the body to discharge mm. tension, to discharge the kind of trauma and emotional stuff that's stored in the, the fascia and the muscles. So having an understanding of how trauma works in the body as well has been very, very important. Working with people's experiences of sex. I work with a lot of people who have histories of sexual abuse, who have traumatic experiences. So I personally just think if you are going to work with sexuality, you need to have an understanding of, of trauma. You need to be trauma informed. You don't need to be a trauma specialist, but like having an understanding of how that might show up in people's bodies, how that how people might respond or carry those kind of experiences physically, posturally, emotionally. So that's TRE. So those those are the kind of things that that have that inform my practice. And then my yeah, my main sort of coaching thing around this is sexological bodywork or somatic sex education, it's also known as. Right. So I guess because what you do is quite unique, mm. would you say that, I guess you would say that a lot of the work you do and a lot of the work you do is kind of a blend of all everything you've learned throughout all those experiences and all those courses you've done and yeah. different types of massage, you kind of put this together to now have your own sort of yeah. practice. Okay, wow. Yeah, and That's I guess like, you know, as a, as a PT, as a coach, I'm sure it's the same for you. Like yeah. you draw on you know things that you've learned just through your own you you know playing career or you know through through different types of qualifications or different types of training and it's not I think it's rare that people work in in a you know one exclusive field I think it's important you know if you're going to approach working with people as a in a holistic way to have you know different things that inform how you work with yeah them. and I think it makes you better at what you do in a sense as well because you can draw on different experiences to kind of cater to mm. the individual and even if we talk about coaching because I come from a football background but mm. I've coached in the city I've coached at CrossFit gyms I've had a lot of strength and conditioning coaching I've been lived in America seen how they train had mm. strength and conditioning coaches from America which can be a little bit different to mm. like the cultural differences even. Yeah, yeah so yeah, putting that all into how I view things 
another thing I noticed as well, just talking to my physio, because I have a physio that I see every week. Mm, and uh, and she, uh, <laughs> we're always talking about how, especially with social media, everybody's got their own biases. So one thing you got to accept is that no one's ever 100% correct. Mm. you got to find what's right for you mm. as the individual. So that's something that I've been kind of battling with myself because even though I, I kind of want to have my own set ways, I always, I'm, I always trying to accept that actually, even though I think this is right, it could potentially be wrong. Mm. And I think accepting that is, is a battle in itself. So to kind of get back to what you do. So I was asking you before we started men, how much men do you work with women? And you said about 65% men. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll start with the men. <laughs> what are some of the issues that you, what are some of the common issues you see with some of the people that come to you, some of the men that to come the to you? The men specifically. So the, the most common like reasons for people wanting coaching or wanting to change something in their sexual experience are that they they suffer from premature ejaculation so they feel like they ejaculate too quickly or they have very little choice mm. around their ejaculation erectile dysfunction so they struggle to get an erection or maintain an erection and that might be kind of exclusively with a partner and that then you know when they masturbate it's it's not such an issue so right. it's kind of performance related or performance anxiety related or situational erectile erectile dysfunction as i kind of those are the two main ones and then i mean if i make a comparison maybe to personal training clients like i'm sure you work with people who have who have you know are just starting out on their exercise journey and they they haven't really trained before and they're getting a they're talking to you as a PT or a coach because they 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 want some help to kind of, they don't know what what's going on or how to kind of get started and then you may work with other clients who are like maybe semi professional athletes and they you know they they just know that they benefit from having a coach who can kind of see things that they don't see or maybe program for them. And and then you get the people who are in, in the middle who are just kind of in in maintenance mode and you know that they know that it helps them to keep motivated to to see you. So it's kind of the same. Okay. I apply that to or that's what I see in my clients as well. Some yeah. people really need a lot like they have those specific issues. They're right at the beginning of the journey. They 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 need someone to kind of they, they're coming to me because of that specific thing that they want to work on and then there's there's people who maybe are not in a relationship who do not have any physical or intimate contact or connection and we can talk about how that has you know as in like they've never been at, with a at the moment or for a long time right. they haven't been in relationship there are some people who've never been intimate and you know want to kind of come and have a session with me to build some confidence to maybe be with someone in the future but I'm talking about the people who maybe have not been in a relationship for a long time or maybe are widowed or you know separated and just do not have any touch in their lives and that that has kind of like blown up through covid 
in the last year with a lot of people being isolated and a lot of people realizing like, wow, I'm not receiving any physical contact. Mm. I'm not receiving any physical touch. That's kind of depressing and bad for my mental, physical and emotional health. So those clients are people who maybe see me three, four times a year. And that, you know, that's just their, that's part of their maintenance of their emotional and physical mental well-being to come and have connection to come and have touch in a way that is unpressured and doesn't have that kind of romantic entanglement right. or expectation from a partner so you know touch is vital and essential we're, we're humans we need we need to be touched yeah. so that's kind of that bracket of person and then there's the people the guys that i work with who are just like yep yeah, I'm so happy with my sexuality. My partner and I are really open. I just want to learn more. You know, I want to learn how I can how I can improve or how I can expand this experience. So does that kind of yeah. there's these it's it's not just like one category of yeah. person. It's very yeah. it's very broad. Okay. So I want to piggyback off the two main things you mentioned premature ejaculation and um, erectile dysfunction specific issues so do you ever come across people or men who say who may come to you thinking that they have a problem with premature ejaculation but actually they just don't realize that we don't actually you can't go for hours and hours the first time anyway so Mm -hmm. sometimes coming early is actually it's not as early as you think it is or is it always actually they, they are actually suffering with that how do you, and I guess you would know that by, how do you know, I don't want to say this, how do you know whether it actually is premature ejaculation, I guess? Would be. Mm-hmm. It's a great, great question. Like, is there, excuse me, is there some kind of cutoff point? Right, like, yeah. Like, is there like an average time? Two minutes, yeah. And you're all right. yeah. If it's two minutes and one second, then. Yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah, it's it's very individual. And I think, again, we go back to this thing of like, do guys actually share how long? you know they last for or what what is is kind of a typical duration before they ejaculate and i i i wouldn't say i mean i think it's probably like less time than you think yeah. during penetration i think there are some statistics on this that are oh, like really you know make me oh, make me sad that t- like penetration i think typically lasts maybe three or four minutes yeah. maximum that, and that's what i was going to say that's yeah. what that's what it is yeah or like it's as quite an, short, as yeah. an average yeah so i tend to work with rather than like putting a number or putting a, a figure on things what i work with is this idea of how much choice do you have around your ejaculation so expanding that and feeling the the confidence and the the body awareness and the ability to regulate your arousal levels. So maybe you want to have a quickie. You know, maybe you, you only do want to, like, you know, go for kind of four minutes, and that's that's what that sexual experience is like mm. in that moment, you know. But maybe you want to also be able to last for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. My partner and I have sex for, like, two hours, you know. it's It's not always all penetration, but the choice is there. Does, does that does that make yeah. sense? So what I work with with those guys is around bringing more awareness to what is happening in your body just before 
you might typically ejaculate. Right. So for a lot of people, arousal is kind of just a zero to ten thing, like zero or ten. It's on or it's off or on. But what I tend to work with is bringing people's awareness into that kind of three to six or seven zone. So what is happening in your body with relaxed arousal? How are you breathing? Where do you tense up? What kinds of sensations are you aware of? Making those kind of unconscious aspects of your sexual experience and what is happening with premature ejaculation or just with ejaculation generally, making those unconscious things conscious. Right. So then you it's like you kind of you have more of a map of what's going on with your body. You understand and can feel a little bit more like, oh yeah, the, the kind of arousal's creeping up a little bit here. <sighs> I need to right. slow down. I know how to do that. You know, I can communicate with my partner in that moment. But you you cannot do that if you are not aware of what is actually going on in your body be- right. just before that ejaculation so happens. So by helping men become more aware of, of, and maybe even understanding the feelings, they can have more of a choice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on whether they want to reach that point or they want to maybe pull it back a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. that's interesting. Okay, because I, I think that you you got a long video on your Instagram about that specific topic, topic and that's one that I watched. You spoke about the deep breathing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. deep breathing when you feel like you're about to come and sort of bringing yourself back into it mm. and uh yeah i thought that was quite interesting because i think that for me personally that's not really something i think about mm-hmm. i mean i can i can probably tell you how i'm feeling i can probably tell you where i'm tensing like probably it's called a kegel kegel yeah your pelvic floor yeah kind of you're squeezing that part as a man it's an involuntary contraction right because you feel like you can't yeah. and i think that i think that sometimes I say this to my friends sometimes, you reach the point of no return. Yes. But I think that you. I think that there must be a way that you can... Is there really a point of no return? Is there a way yeah, to... Yeah, totally, yeah? totally. It's just that you need to know what happens like two seconds before right. the point of no return. Okay, okay. Which, you know, it's this either like off or on. Right. You know? So, yeah, like how how aware of your breathing are you generally? during sex, during masturbation, would you say? Like, how much attention do you pay to it? I don't think enough. Now now that you say it, and I'm thinking about the video specifically, mm-hmm. and you talk about, you know, some of the things you can do to stop premature ejaculation, taking really deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth. But then I think while I'm in the process of having sex, mm. I'm not thinking about that. Mm. So I think that's- What are you thinking about? That's a good question. I think I'm just thinking about me personally, I'm always thinking, is she enjoying it? Mm. So you're really like, there's nothing, no connection to your own body then. Right. You're yeah, really focused yeah. on, oh my God, is she enjoying it? Yeah. Like, that's true. Yeah. Are you, are you paying enough attention to myself? Are you grounded in your yeah. own body at all? Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't think about that either. Yeah. I'm always thinking, I'm definitely always thinking, is, is the other person enjoying it? Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. I think that, you know, for as a man to be present to what is happening in your partner and to to be attentive to her pleasure is is wonderful. But you would maybe be more effective in that if you were also able to stay connected to your own body. Mm. 
to stay at like my tantra teacher talks about the kind of 80 20 rule 80 percent awareness out 20 percent like what is going on in my own body okay let's just check in with home base right. here you know yeah. what's is everything kind of relaxed yeah. is everything you know flowing and then you know and then take your feeling into her feeling into your partner what's yeah. going on there yeah that's interesting that's good and then obviously the erectile dysfunction what are some of the things that guys who may suffer with that like what are some of the things they can do to kind of I guess to stop it from happening or reduce the chances of it happening. Obviously it can happen at any moment with any, any guy, but I can say from a health and fitness perspective, you know, there's some, there's some things you want to be doing that can maybe potentially assist in not having that happen. Like make sure you're training nutrition, diet, make sure you're looking after yourself, being active and not even just physically, but mentally as well. Um, Cause I think some of that is not just from, physical but it's also kind of not mentally being in the right space so you can't actually do that too much stress all those kind of things what are some of the things that you kind of recommend or how do you treat not treat but how do you help people with yeah with that all of those things that you mentioned and the, the thing with with ed is that it's it's complex you know and i can't give you like there's no one size fits all solution everyone is a unique mm organization of of experiences and and elements but you know typically the thing to kind of be curious about is what i mentioned earlier is it situational when you masturbate and you're on your own can you get an erection if you're then with a partner and you you can't well there's something going on there in terms of your performance anxiety or this kind of thing of not actually being relaxed or connected to your own body so there are things that you can do you know your own training or your own practice to learn how to be more connected to your own body and it's these kind of simple body-based meditations you know the way that you so the way that you masturbate or the way that you touch your own body will will kind of it's like resourcing yourself for being in a partnered situation okay so i think i talk a little bit in that that same video as well a lot of the things that apply to premature ejaculation in terms of tools or resources that you can equip yourself with are the same for erectile dysfunction okay allowing yourself to override the mental chatter the performance anxious thoughts and actually just tune into okay what can i what can i feel right here in this present moment where am I tensing? Typically, guys who have erectile dysfunction, there's a lot of tension around the, the, the kind of uh, lower belly, around the pelvis, around the glutes. Everything is kind of squeezing and tightening. There's not much blood flow getting in, so there's an interruption to the blood flow. So learning to, yeah, let your hips move a little bit, learning to kind of massage the inner thighs, the, the kind of other areas of your body, not just your genitals, like not, the more focus you put there, it's almost like the more pressure right. you you experience. And you know, all of this. I don't have a I don't have a penis, so I you know, on some level, I will never really know. No, but this feels, is from yeah. this is from working with thousands of men. This is what I've seen. When you relax the pelvic floor, when you relax these constrictions, when you learn how to actually breathe down here into your belly instead of 
kind of up here in your chest and everything else being really, really tight, you give yourself a little bit more support and a little right. bit more option to relax and get an erection. Yeah. So something that I also, just a little trick, nasal breathing. So making sure that you're breathing through your nose boosts your levels of nitric oxide in your blood. And nitric oxide is basically like natural Viagra, dilates your blood vessels. So if you notice that you're, you know, kind of mouth breathing or just breathing shallow, Wow. Learn to learn to know. Yeah, I learned something new there. Wow, I did not know that. That's quite interesting. You talk about all the things surrounding ED and the problems that are happening there. It kind of reminds me of like sometimes when people have back pain and they think that, you know, getting a massage in their back is fixing it when actually, actually you need to release the glutes. Could be weak glute it could yeah. be weak glutes, tight glutes, yeah. uh tight hips, tight quads. Tight diaphragm. Right, yeah. exactly. So and it's like, yeah, that massage feels good at the time, but you're not treating the root cause of, of the problem. So mm -hmm. that's quite interesting you say that. So continuing on sort of with, no, sorry, actually. So we spoke about some of the problems men come mm -hmm. to you with. Now you said about 25% is women. Mm, what are some of the common issues that women come to you with? Yeah, so women, it, I mean, again, you know, lots of different, lots of different reasons and, similar kind of categories like I explained for the for the men. The biggest problem or issue that I hear from women is I find it really difficult to relax and let go during sex. Also my female clients that's unfortunately you know is just the way it is. The experiences of trauma and abuse tend to show up more in my female right. clients. I've worked with many, many, many male clients who also have histories of sexual abuse and trauma, but it does tend to show up more in my female clients, unfortunately. So those those two kind of things, whether there's trauma um, or abuse in their history or not, that kind of tends to feed into this. I, you know, I I don't I don't know how to relax. I don't I don't kind of know how to get out of my head. I don't know how to let go and trust and, and kind of feel safe in these situations. And then that is preventing me from experiencing orgasms. Right. And that's, that's like my experience, like that's my personal journey as well. Okay, so you... Yeah. Before I kind of ex started exploring this more kind of conscious sexuality stuff and tantra, I had probably in, in like 10, 12 years of being sexually active more than that yeah maybe 10 15 years of being sexually active i had had maybe two or three orgasms wow. with my partner but i could orgasm on on my own on your own yeah during masturbation so that's kind of the 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 biggest thing that's the like the umbrella and then that shows up as as there's two things vaginismus or kind of pain in the in the vagina or the vulva the vulvodynia just generalized pain in the genitals or specifically pain during penetration and that can be it has a kind of spectrum so it can be as like pain from maybe even just inserting a tampon to i just kind of get it's it's painful when my partner penetrates me right so yeah those are the those are the kind of main female issues so 
you spoke about in 15 years, 10 to 15 years, 10, 10 to 12 years, you only had... Being sexually active. Yeah, you only had two or three orgasms that you can remember. Mm. That kind of ties in exactly perfectly to what I'm about to talk about next. And it is about... So I, I, on my fir- very first episode, on my second episode, I spoke to a lady named Kate and she's a female only coach, but she also posts on her page about like sexuality, empowering women and stuff. And she brought, she taught me about the, uh, the gender orgasm gap. And that's something I never even knew. I, I mean, I probably would have, if you'd asked me, I would have probably said, yeah, that sounds about right. But I didn't know, I didn't know that was a thing. So that kind of led me to kind of do my own research. And what I'd found recently, there was a study done in, in the Netherlands by Durex, funnily enough, and they, they found that about 79% of women, this was over, they surveyed about 3,000 women, and they found about 79% have said they'd never, they'd never reach orgasm when they have sex, whereas about, I believe it was 89% of men say they do. So... As a man, I'm going to ask you, what are some of the things men can do to help women reach that point? And obviously, some, I guess in some cases where there are trauma and there's things where the situations where women can't relax, there's some things that maybe men can't really do to kind of affect that. I mean, maybe there is, you can tell me. But what are the, some of the practical things you would suggest, especially at you work with couples too? So like, what are some of the things we can do to to be better close this gap yeah so can i unpack the gap yes a little let's bit, go yes first of all so yes i would say that is the case and there was also a really interesting article study or a research project done by a woman called peggy something orenstein i, I want to say in the states which like interviewed a large kind of group of, of male and female st- students and kind of ask them like what what is your what do you consider to be like a good sexual experience and the the kind of bar for women was well a good sexual experience is something that doesn't hurt okay and for guys was like well you know i get i i orgasm and you know that that, that. so that yeah. just like the female understanding and what the kind of narrative that that we have and the messages that we have culturally of what what a good sexual experience is you know something that doesn't hurt right yeah it's not right yeah like it's and i i know that like this a lot of this is changing now you know social media is is amazing and there's so many sex positive influencers or you know coaches or or practitioners and that the messaging around female sexuality female pleasure is so much more open than than it has ever been and I think that's amazing so part of this for me as a as a someone whose practice is informed by tantra my like idea for you as a guy is what would happen for you if sex did not end in ejaculation if you could take that out of the equation what does sex become what right. what, what do you focus on then you're asking me yeah <laughs> so if i could take away ejaculation what does sex become yeah. like for me yeah so just play with the concept that that sex does 
sex is not going to end in ejaculation. That's not what happens. Right. It'd be pretty boring. <laughs> I'd probably, boring. yeah, I'd say it'd probably be pretty boring. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd want to do it. Interesting. I don't think, I mean, if I knew that my partner was going to ejaculate almost every single time and it made her feel good, then I guess I would do it. But I wouldn't, I guess I'd have, I wouldn't be looking forward to it as much, especially, obviously you're asking me as yeah. someone who, Every pretty much every single time I can I can kind of pick and choose when I want to come. Mm. So I think that yeah, if I knew that that wasn't gonna happen, I feel like I'd be less inclined to want to want to do it. Mm. Okay, so so that's super super interesting because what where your mind or your kind of the the answer didn't go was oh well you know sensation or like the other aspects of sex, maybe oral or mm. touching fingers, breasts, mm. sensuality, connection, that kind of exploration of sensation. So it becomes something that's more about play and exploration than In this climax. is what's going yeah. to happen. But it's super, super interesting that because it's so, it's like spot on. Well, if I don't, if sex doesn't end in ejaculation, what's the point? And I think that that mindset or that narrative that, that we've been given or that we believe is or the mainstream kind of belief around sex, that's is what is primarily limiting or creating this gap in orgasm, right. orgasmicness. Okay. And it... Don't sorry to cut you, yeah. but and is that because, like from what I've just said, men are not taking enough time to learn to enjoy all the other things apart from penetration and coming and then saying goodnight. You know, is we're not learning to enjoy, you know, playing with a lady's nipples or rubbing her thighs and mm. kissing her neck, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All the all the other things around just, you know, doing the penetrating. You don't like yeah. is there. Yeah. Is that a, is that what you're gonna is that what you're just yeah. gonna say? Okay, yeah, pretty cool. much. That that kind of limits you to a very narrow bandwidth, right? Or or just kind of puts the blinkers on, you know. So the 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 female body typically, and again, you know, every individual body is different. A great book that if people are curious about this, men and women, is a incredible book called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Okay. Highly recommend that. I'll put the Amazon link in yeah. the description. Yeah. <laughs> so women's sexual profile in terms of orgasm, in terms of arousal, in terms of orgasmic buildup is very, very different to men. Your genitalia are all external, okay? We do have a clitoris, like that's, yeah, okay, we can access that externally, but it takes a lot longer for women to access that kind of deep relaxation deep in the body with our with our internal landscape our internal genitals and i think when so in my experience when there is this goal or like we're trying that's the only place that we're trying to get to the capacity or the potential for for sensation that a woman's body has is being neglected and I cannot 
I cannot give you an example of one woman that I know who hasn't at some point in her life been penetrated before she was ready. And I don't mean like that, that they've been raped or that it's been non-consensual, like that it's just been like too quick. Right, like there was, actually, no, like there was no foreplay, yeah, there was no like build-up to it. There's not enough foreplay and or just like the the not being guided by a woman's body. So rather than a man entering a woman, a woman is opening right. to be penetrated. And I think when you shift that perspective and you shift that idea, it might it might take a little bit of a, you know, to to click in. But yeah. and so part of that is down to men understanding and knowing what else to do. Letting go of that egoic thing of I'm supposed to have a hard cock. I want a hard cock. I want to ejaculate. I want to get off. So this part of it is like letting go of that and being willing to explore something else. Then kind of knowing where to begin, how to explore a woman's body, how to pleasure, how to play. And, you know, a lot of this is about learning how to play, how to make mistakes, how to explore, how to experiment how to try things out, how to kind of learn and, and approach your partner as somebody new every day. You know, it's a completely new set of cells mm. that's, that's there and everyone is different on each day. And then I think from the, from the point of view of, of being a woman, what we can do to kind of support that gap is allowing ourselves to believe in our men, to have faith and love and trust in this man is here for me, this man is present with me, I'm willing to open and surrender to that, I'm willing to communicate and lovingly guide and explain what is going on in my body and what I need and what I want without feeling like I have to perform in some way, without feeling like I have to also buy into that goal of ejaculation or peak orgasm. Right. So you kind of say from a communication standpoint, women should feel, women, I always find that, I, and I said this to the coach that I had on before, is that I feel like women are not less inclined, but I guess they're, they're not expected to kind of communicate their needs in a sexual relationship. Whereas a guy, they're almost like, well, you know, they can kind of say how they want it sort of thing. Whereas I feel like women, either they don't feel confident enough, obviously not every single woman, but some women don't feel confident enough to sort of be like, you know, I'd prefer if you do this or I want you to touch me here. Mm. So what can we do to help women build that confidence to communicate a bit more effectively in those situations. Because I find personally that if I'm with a woman that communicates, I actually enjoy it a lot better because mm. I think, okay, well, she's willing to kind of tell me what to do. I'm not even tell me what to do, but just tell me what she prefers. Mm. Tell me where to touch her. Like, I, I like that. That takes a bit of pressure off you. Right? Yeah, and it means, yes. I don't, yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, well, you like it like this, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that helps mm -hmm. That helps me because I know, because I, like I was saying before, when you asked me what am I, what am I thinking, I'm always thinking, right, is she enjoying it? Mm. If she tells me 
okay, I, I prefer you to do this, then I almost know, okay, she's definitely enjoying this because I've had that communication. Mm. I've completely forgot what my original question was. But what can we do to kind of give women a bit more confidence to communicate and how Im- how important is it that, that they communicate? Mm. Well, something that I always recommend to the couples that I work with is that you talk about sex outside of the bedroom. Like you talk, you talk about what you want when you're not in that that vulnerable, naked, emotionally com- potentially emotionally complex situation. I also kind of feel personally like if if you can't talk about something that related to sex, then you're maybe not emotionally ready to actually go there. Mm-hmm. So you're doing you're doing things that you're that you're not kind of in an integrated place to experience does that does that make sense so if i'm not able to kind of say to my partner like yeah i'm i'm super curious about what some anal massage might feel like and and i'm a bit nervous about trying it but you know i i would like to do it but can we go really slow and maybe we can we can do it like this and and you know if i if i just ask you to stop then then this is how i want to do it and maybe just take your hands off or maybe just hold them still or you know maybe we just use a finger to begin with if you're not able to talk about that without an like overwhelming emotional charge and you just are doing it do you know do i mean like something isn't integrated something isn't in consent within your own body yeah or within that experience so talk about your sexual life in the kitchen yeah. You know, when you're doing the dishes, yeah. sit and have a conversation about it over the dinner, the dinner table. Sit and talk about it on the sofa. Yeah. There is so much that can be revealed or learnt about each other by just sitting down and talking about, talking about okay, it, so yeah. th- when we have sex, this is what I experience. And I really love it when you when this happens and I kind of see this happening in your body and then I feel this part of you and blah, blah, blah. Like... It's like, I mean, I'm sure you did this with sport. Like, you don't just play football, right? You watch videos, you 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 look at your performance, you have stats. You, I'm sure you do all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, I would love for people to have that same mentality or understanding around sex and intimacy as a skill that can be improved right. and that you can be more skillful in. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And I love the, the like I I love my background as a PT because it has this amazing comparison. Right. To it. and for me, it makes so much sense. Yeah, no, I sense. agree fully because I remember, I remember, I can't remember. I was I was quite young and I watched a show on Channel Four, and I don't know how why I remember this, but they were talking about it's not sex, but they're talking about relationships and dating, and on the show, the guy was just saying that like we treat dating as if as if it's just something you do, but actually, you know, if you're single, it's it's every it's practice. You know, you get better at it the more you do. Mm. So I kind of what well, what you said there about you know, treating having your partner and knowing what you what you're good at, maybe where you can improve. Mm-hmm. Those things are important. You know, you do a whole SWOT analysis. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be like <laughs> yeah, but know, yeah, um, strict about it. But I just I think so few couples you know, in relationships, and this was certainly my experience before the relationship that I'm in now, 
so few couples actually talk about what's going on yeah. in their intimate life. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like there's a little bit of an element where the woman or the man or the woman doesn't make possibly doesn't want to embarrass or make the guy feel bad about himself? Or maybe, and, and on the flip side, maybe there's some guys that they don't want to know because they might feel a little bit insecure, a bit mm. worried about or disappointed in themselves where, okay, I'm not pleasing my partner. It's like there might be a little bit of that. That's a bit of a barrier, a bit of yeah, um, fragility. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Because of that. can, And I'm sure it can go the other way right. as, as well. Again, you know, the dynamics in different relationships are... Are, are different yeah yeah I mean I I hear a lot from male clients like I know that my wife isn't enjoying sex and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to talk to her about it and I don't want to upset her so I think I think it, it goes, it right, goes both, both ways, ways yeah. yeah I think maybe that comes down you could you could gender it I guess but maybe it comes down more to personality upbringing culture mm. you know there's there's all sorts of factors that that are in are in play there yeah and i to keep on the line um female orgasms mm. you got a video that i watched again about some of the things that are stopping women from getting orgasms and or for reaching an orgasm and one of the things you mentioned was using a vibrator uh, could you kind of explain that a bit more? Because I, I know quite I know quite a lot of women that that use vibrators and stuff like that. So yeah, I'd be quite interested to kind of hear. Yeah. So this again is based. This is kind of the biggest change that I made in my life that enabled me to be able to relax and relax into orgasm, clitoral orgasm. I'm going to say with my partner. And also enabled me to access other kinds of orgasms. So G-spot orgasms, squirting orgasms, cervical orgasms, womb orgasms. So... Well, I didn't even know there were so many orgasms. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. This is the thing. This is why female sexuality is way more complicated. Yeah. And not just in that little narrow yeah. lane. Yeah. You know, I talked about this kind of thing of exploring what else your female partner's body might be able to access in mm. terms of orgasmic sensation. Yes, there is more than just the clitoral orgasm and just and maybe you've heard the G-spot orgasm. Yeah. It's probably quite a common one. So for me, I used to masturbate exclusively with a with a vibrator and I could happily bash out multiple orgasms with, with my vibrator. I never used my fingers and... So my theory on this, and there maybe is some science, probably not, but this is anecdotal as well from a lot of women and a lot of friends that I've talked to. So basically, when you use a vibrator, that is an extremely high frequency movement. Yeah, That is impossible for a partner to replicate with their fingers, with their tongue, with penetration or, yeah. or contact from their penis when they're, when they're penetrating you. So you're kind of, and if that's your exclusive way to access orgasm, you're kind of desensitizing your clitoris to subtler types of stimulation. If you kind of get used to that, it's 
it kind of it's it's like being electrocuted like you need that you need that high intensity high frequency stimulation so it's going to be very very difficult for you to relax and and access orgasm through your partner's fingers or tongue or, or whatever so i'm like all power to women and their vibrate their vibrators i think they're wonderful inventions but i think that you know, give yourself a break from it if you feel or know that that is like you're dependent on that for orgasm. Leave it alone for 21 days minimum, but don't just stop having sex or stop masturbating or stop connecting to your sexual energy. Use that time in the kind of vibrator holiday to explore self-touch, to have your partner explore genital massage maybe just do a little plug for my online courses where you can learn how to give your partner genital massage and that will kind of potentially open up those different nerve endings those different neural pathways to that lower level of stimulation Mm. that more relaxed arousal it's also going to potentially open up those different internal pathways as well, which actually stimulate orgasm on different nerves. So that your clitoris is innervated by the pudendal nerve, uh, which is the same as is innervated in the head of the penis. But then internally, you get access to the pelvic nerve and the vagus nerve, um, which is where you're, if you're working with cervical orgasm or s- stimulation of your cervix, that's where you're kind of getting those full body orgasms okay wow so have you given up vibrators yourself personally yeah, yeah my god really yeah so you don't use a vibrator at all no. wow. i occasionally use something called uh, it's called a oh god, it's an awful name a satisfier it's like this little <laughs> terrible terrible name but it's so good it's like a, it uses air pressure like okay puts out air air pressure so those are slightly different they don't yeah it's not a constant they just kind of put out air onto your clitoris okay but yeah no i am not a fan now yeah that's interesting and i do so someone listening to this might be like what she's you know this is the this is how i get my pleasure and she's telling me to stop it no way great if if you are in love with your vibrator and and you're happy with it and it's working for you and don't change anything. Yeah. You know? But this is mainly if you're using a vibrator, but you can't get orgasm through your partner. Yeah. Then yeah. you may you may want to consider try this as, yeah. as an option. Okay. Yeah. Got you fully. Okay. That makes sense though. I I can kind of see how that would make sense. If you say to someone, you know, you're putting yourself in a position where you're getting an orgasm through this electric toy which no man on this planet can replicate. Not that or I know. Woman. Or woman, right. Not that I know of anyway. So yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. So obviously I'm a health and fitness coach. You're a qualified PT and you're into CrossFit. And you've got, CrossFit you got a whoop. Me. <laughs> you got a whoop band on. Oh, so I know, I know you do CrossFit when I see the whoop band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know a, a lot of people I know that do CrossFit have whoop yeah. bands. Oh, that's not why I got mine. <laughs> I got mine for the sleep. Ah, yeah, okay. because I was um, really interested in kind of having better sleep. And you should um, try the aura ring. I don't know if you've read about, about that. that yeah. yeah, aura ring is supposed to be for sleep. Supposed to be like the mm. best thing. But a big something that I talk about on my social media is 
the role that health and fitness plays in your sexual health. For men, a lot of men, egomaniacs, they want to boost their performance, right? And even for women, it's a confidence thing. You know, oh, I want to get rid of my love handles. I want a bigger bum, all these kind of things. A lot of vanity and aesthetic goals that we have. Um, but Yeah, because that's what's pumped into our psyche right. by the media and by like, culture. Exactly. And, yeah. But just from a holistic point of view, I like to let people know that actually, if you're maybe a tad overweight or maybe you're obese and losing weight or get even getting fitter, just generally getting fitter is going to have a positive impact on your sexual health. And I've had I've had maybe about three or four clients that I can think of right now that have messaged me privately and they said, you know, my partners spoke about how sex life has changed or something like that. Yeah, it's like an unexpected thing. Right. And they, that's not what they that's not what they came to me for. Mm. But my question to you is firstly, what role has health and fitness kind of played in your life and and in your sexual life too, mm. if it if it has? Yeah. Personally. Well I I've always been very active. Okay. I did gymnastics as a kid from like the age of about five. I did a lot of sport at school. I swam. I was one of those kids like that. And, you know, my parents su just supported. If I had an interest in something, like I tried synchronized swimming at one point. Wow. And I was like, yeah, okay, you can go along to some classes. And it didn't last very long. But, you know, played tennis and played netball at school and athletics. And I studied GCSE and A-level PE. And it's always been something that, like, I've been active and sporty. And that was encouraged by my by my parents as okay. well. So it's always been something that, that has, like, been part of my character and has, uh, has helped me to kind of be energetic be sociable be optimistic be able to kind of deal with challenge and, and adversity and have discipline and and be able to play as well this this kind of idea of play and practice I went I did music at university but I was very very close to going and doing sports science or something in sport oh, okay. at that point that I was kind of it wasn't really understood that you could have a career or that that could be something that was serious, you know? Right. So it was a bit, yeah, so I went and did music instead. But then I think through my, in my early 20s or my first year at university, I actually became quite depressed and didn't exercise. And right. I think those two things like were, were very, right. very closely linked. And then the, the kind of, the, final few years of university I started teaching pole dancing my friend and I set up a pole exercise society um, through the athletic union and that was kind of my way back into movement activity exercise so for me it's something that I just love moving my body I love being active if I sit still for too long like I I, I can literally feel myself, mm. you, you know, going downwards. So even like through the lockdowns and things of the last year, just getting out for like 30 minutes walk every day, like a good fast walk yeah. was kept me sane. Yeah, 100%. And with you on that. it doesn't have to be like, I love CrossFit and I, and I love resistance training and I love yoga and, you know, I, I love things that 
that are intense for my body. I used to do triathlons. I've done a half marathon. So there's always been, like, I love the challenge of it, mental challenge. But I I don't think you have to be, like, an elite athlete or, you know, you don't have to be in the gym every day. You find something that brings you joy, like, that is active and brings you joy maybe that's walking maybe that's canoeing maybe that's wild water swimming maybe it's shot putting you know something that allows you to engage with your body and feel activated feel feel joy feel Mm. joy in movement and then I think the way that that plays into sex and intimacy is a little bit about what you said exercise movement activity lowers stress the lower your stress the higher your sex drive is going to be it releases endorphins, which again kind of contribute to your your feelings of wanting to connect, wanting to be intimate. Boosts testosterone in men and women, which contributes to sexual desire and like the the desire and the need to to be intimate and, and be sexually active. So I think on that level, it's super important. Yeah. But do, do do you want me to talk a little bit more about kind of specifically? like stretching or how, how. Yeah, no, I was actually going to ask you is, do you ever give any of your clients some, obviously you might not actually, you're qualified to do it. So I guess you could tell them exactly what they need to be doing in the gym. Mm. But do you ever, do you ever prescribe exercise? Like, okay, actually Mm. I would consider, I would, I would consider maybe working out some more, becoming a bit more physically active. Is that something that you do? Yeah. Not, not as directly as that. Okay. It's not my wheelhouse anymore, but I do. Um, I I do always recommend to to people who are struggling with PE or erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, or erectile dysfunction, just doing some stretching, like do some yoga or do these simple stretches, like a butterfly stretch. You know, okay, you, well, you see it your and feet together yeah. and you let your knees drop out. Uh, yeah i mean um stretches for the hip flexors stretches for the glutes and some stretches for the lower belly like those will will often do more for you than you know like taking any kind of medication or dealing with it in a pharma pharmacological way okay so i kind of suggest some specific stretches to people sometimes but more often than not actually guys that come to me i suggest that they if they're willing to or curious they try some kind of martial arts practice like they try some jujitsu they try some yeah some kickboxing you mentioned no no it wasn't you it was someone else earlier that kind of contact sport Mm. and being around other men and that kind of competition or play as well you get a lot of that dynamic in in brazilian jujitsu yeah they're rolling yeah that is so good for your testosterone wow. and, and your your confidence, your awareness of your body, mm. your, your strength, your movement, your breath control. Like often that's more appealing to men than doing a yoga class. Yeah. So that, that's kind of something that I try and stick it's, in there. It's sometimes. funny you say that because I, I picked up Muay Thai over the past, it's actually been a year now. Wow. So I picked up Muay Thai. I've always wanted to do combat sports, but I think in I feel like in England when you're a kid, obviously you've got the major sports: football, rugby, cricket. That's about it, really. But in England, we specialize quite young in sports, 
So I only ever played football, right? I never played anything else. I did a bit of swimming, did a bit of field hockey, but it was just, I was just good at that naturally. But then I just stopped because football was the number one thing. And what I realized after living in America for about four years over there, it's the complete opposite. In high school, you run track, you play American football, you play soccer, you play basketball, and they do that for years. Maybe as they get older, they start to do two or three. And when they're about to go off to university slash college, they pick one if they're going to be like a college athlete. So I've always wanted to do combat sports. And what, what I realized now that I do it on a regular basis is that with football, because it's a team sport and there's an, I've, got, I've got to rely on another 10 guys to get me the ball, especially because I'm a striker. I've, got to re- I've kind of got to rely on my team to give me the ball to do what I want to do. There's a lot less element of control, whereas Muay Thai, it's just me. You know, If I'm sparring and I get hurt, it's just me. Or if I'm trying to hurt somebody, it's just me. Not that I'm intentionally trying to hurt somebody. But I think one big thing is with the Muay Thai and just boxing as well is that I can, the aggression and kind of that release. I think football for me is more like a skill thing. I just love the skill of it and being able to do it. And there's obviously a natural talent as well to it. Whereas Muay Thai, I'm not naturally talented in it. It's something I've only just picked up. Work a little bit harder for it. But yeah, that aggression as well. I think there's a different level of aggression because in football, you can be aggressive, right? I can tackle someone, I can elbow someone, I can push them, but... In Muay Thai, I can punch you in the really I can yeah, kick yeah. you in the head. Yeah. And I think that, I don't know, I definitely feel like my energy's increased since doing that. Mm. Like on, my, on a day-to-day, I just feel, and I feel a lot more confident, mm. which is, I've always been quite a confident person, but I definitely feel like knowing, it could be a little bit of an ego thing actually, but I feel like knowing that I can maybe not, I'm not saying I'm a professional fighter, but I've got this a little bit of a skill set there makes you... Mm. I don't know, it makes me feel a bit more confident just as a person. Yeah. Um, so it's quite interesting. That. So I think sometimes there's a misconception, I'll see how you, how this, what your experience is, that people or men who do martial arts or like combat sports, it's like this idea that boys who play video games are going to be violent in the rest of their life. Right. Like as if doing combats, like what, how have you found it, doing combat sports over the past year and, entering that have you have you suddenly like been starting picking fights right yeah i think it makes you more more disciplined it makes you want to it makes you actually you become more aware of your own power Mm. and i think that you get that though when because i used to work in a gym in victoria called um my manor and it was run by one guy who used to be a professional mma fighter and another guy used to be a professional boxer and they're the most relaxed down-to-earth guys you'd ever meet. Mm. And I've got a really good friend who's been doing jiu-jitsu for about five years. And what I realise is that a lot of the times when you get these guys that have competed at high levels of combat sport, they're the most relaxed. Mm. They're the most humble people. Mm. They're the the ones that are like, I do not want to fight you. You know, Mm. if we're at a bar or a club, I do not want to get in a fight because they're aware of the power that they hold. So I I think it goes the opposite way. Yeah, it's like some kind of, like, inner alignment. Yeah. Yeah, this kind of... I think martial arts as well, not all of them, but there is an awareness of energy and how, you know, how people are made of energy and how energy works and how energy is transferred. And I think that 
plays really well into sex and intimacy. That sex and intimacy is an exchange of of energy. And I think if you understand a little bit like how that feels in your body and how to kind of the martial artist that I know, and my partner is a is a black belt in jujitsu, so okay. I really see this in him. He has he just sort of has this perception or understanding of how someone's body moves and and I, I think that that if you can have that awareness as a man and as a woman during sex it's like it brings a whole other dynamic to it it's not just something that you know you're you're kind of trying to get off with each other mm. you're actually moving and energetically engaged does that yeah does that make sense yeah that does yeah for sure and I think with jiu-jitsu as well, that's it, or even wrestling as well, it makes it because they're su- they're in such close quarters. Yeah, yeah. You know, and jiu-jitsu is like fine margins. You've really got to feel somebody's body, and it's interesting that another thing with jiu-jitsu as well is it. A lot of people think to the untrained eye, you might see someone like me. I could go up against someone who's five eight, hundred and sixty pounds, and he could probably because I have no skill in jiu-jitsu, but he could be a black belt. Yeah, he could yeah. probably ragdoll me on the floor yeah yeah, it's amazing and it is quite interesting because they know how to maneuver the body so well how to use that your energy against you against you it's quite a new it's quite a powerful thing yeah have have you ever tried it i've never tried it but i've got a friend that that really he's always inviting me down to the gym it's just i don't know i want to do it though what's holding you back what i don't i don't think anything's holding me back i think it's just i need need to find a way to fit it in Mm. i need to find a way to fit it in right now I'm playing semi-professional football, doing the Muay Thai, training myself in the gym mm-hmm. with other people as well. Would it potentially have, like, if you were to get injured doing jiu-jitsu or Muay Thai, would that have an impact on your, your football? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, for me, the football was just, I'm just in it because I just still love, I still love the game. And I think when you play semi-pro, it's just, there's different levels to semi-pro. I mean, you still get paid, but, it's more because I just love it. I love it more than I love playing other sports. Mm. So I wouldn't. I don't want to jeopardize it just yet. Mm. But I think I'm 25, so it's not long till I'm done doing wow, that anyway. That's crazy. So yeah, I, I think this is the the such an interesting thing about professional sports people that you have such a kind of limited right. window yeah, time. It is to, right. Yeah. To do it and then uh, yeah. It is quite short. You mentioned one thing. Yeah that I wanted to just pick up on before we kind of wrap up a yeah. little bit. You mentioned about guys should be thinking about maybe stretching and having a more holistic approach before turning to meds. Yes. Viagra or whatever that is. Yeah. So I just wanted to know what, what are your thoughts on some of those kind of quick... I, I like to view them as quick fixes. Like what 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 are your thoughts on those, those, those things? What are my thoughts on those things? I really understand why men would want to use them. And I think that in some circumstances, it's really beautiful mm. that you would want to ensure that you can be hard and present to penetrate your partner. So I guess that it's a comparison to the vibrator thing in a way. If you are dependent on it or it is a crutch, then that's where it kind of gets into a bit of a sticky situation. And I work with, I've worked with several clients in that 
that's their kind of reason for coming to sessions. Like, I, you know, I, I haven't had sex for a long, long time without taking Viagra and I oh. realised that it's kind of fucking up my body and, you know, there's all sorts of not great side effects to Viagra or Cialis as well, especially with long-term use. So they're kind of coming to me because they want to learn how to reconnect with their body and um, be able to relax during sex and access arousal through through touch and through physical sensation without that that reliance on it so i it's it's kind of like i get it and it's it's useful in some settings and yeah i understand it but the way that viagra works is it expands the blood vessels in the erectile tissue around your penis and okay. the, the musculature around your your pelvis so expanded or dilated blood vessels means more blood flow, and then that means engorgement in the, the erectile tissue, so erections. That is a state that you can access on your own. Like we talked about just nasal breathing is a is a really good way to boost that that natural Viagra nitric oxide in your in your blood. So that and you know, genital massage or intimate massage, having those kind of sessions that I do learning to to do that for yourself not just jerking off in masturbation i think that a lot of men have a tendency to just do that and i mean we haven't even touched on this but part of my work in the past year has been as a masturbation coach like with virtual sessions for people because teaching people how to actually how to touch and massage and pleasure their own bodies and not just be focused on this very small area of of your skin like there's so much more available to you so those that does that kind of answer the the yeah it's not not a really strong opinion but yeah so yeah (laughs) so you wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad thing but you would say it's not something you want to become reliant on yeah same vibrators you want to learn how to naturally be able to do these things and yeah kind of like i was saying with the back pain as well get into the root cause of the issue and not just kind of plastering it it. yeah for sure okay cool wow so I feel like we could even keep going. Um, no, and I love, this is the thing, I love talking about my work and I right. love what I do for a living and I'm so, always so excited to to talk to people about it because I've learned, you know, I've learned stuff about a different perspective, a different male perspective yeah. today. I learn something new from every person that I engage with. Yeah. And I think that's the wonderful thing about sex, about intimacy, about conversation. Yeah, so, for sure, <laughs> I really want to thank you for joining me. Um, I appreciate it. I really enjoyed that conversation. I learned a lot. I learned a lot in that. I said it a few times. Mm. <laughs> that I didn't know that. So I think that was, I think anyone who watches or listens on whatever platform you're listening on, I think you'll definitely take some, some gems and a really good insight into how you can potentially get more in touch with yourself, with your partner, so on and so forth. I will leave all your social media and your website in the description so people know where to find Libby. If you need, if you may need some of her services, please do not hesitate to reach out to her. But yeah, that was a really good episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Guys, that is it. The the Spectrum of Health podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe and all that good stuff. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. If you are someone who has been struggling to get in shape, 
you want to lose some body fat, you want to feel better about yourself and you want to build some lean muscle mass as well as transforming your confidence, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my social media and just ping me a message. I'll get back to you as soon as you can. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe and tag me. Okay, tag me. I really appreciate all the support. Watch out for next week's episode. See you later.